So when we come back to the kind of um, uh, Bodhidharma putting the mind at rest, we have the second ancestor who was already quite an accomplished um, Zen practitioner at that point in time. Um, and you see his, his sincerity coming through, you know, in the way he asked the question. What's not mentioned in the koan there too is that Bodhidharma rejects him the first time so he cuts off his arm to prove his sincerity. <laughs> um, he was desperate to understand. <laughs> he really wanted to put his mind at rest. There's that strong desire to put his mind at rest. Mm-hmm. So searching is really strong. And then Bodhidharma says, well, you know, find me your mind and bring it out and I'll put it to rest. So one assumes he actually goes away, not, not just in the moment, but goes away for a few years again and searches for his mind. Do you know where is it? And then the end of that is, a sen- is he fails to find it. Mm-hmm. And therein Bodhidharma awakens, you know, the resolution. There's no mind to find. There's nothing outside of the moment. There's nothing outside of the seeking to find. But that is the fundamental delusion that we're all caught up in. And um, is that we're looking, as much as we can say the words, in fact all of us to one degree or another, I think, are looking for something outside of the moment that's going to bring some kind of fulfillment and in doing that we miss the moment which is this ephemeral thing that it slips through your fingers all the time what happens too is that um, because we're human beings we bring um, success and failure to Dharma practice as well we're going to succeed in becoming enlightened <laughs> Some of us are more foolish than others. Um, I was very foolish when I was younger. I, if I look, when I look back on it, um, there was, I mean, again, motives are mixed. But when I look back on it, there was a strong desire to succeed. And, and the lessons are hard. You know, the more you're trying to succeed at something, the harder, harder life hits you. You know, because you don't succeed at the Dharma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you, if you're trying to succeed, then you're never sort of um, having some great experience that changes your whole life. Then you come up hard against it all the time and you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail. Then practice is one failure after another until we get it. Even doing sazen, you know, you know, sazen period, you know, the task is to be in the present moment and the mind wanders off, it fails. Mm-hmm. And you bring it back and it wanders off again, fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the important thing is to, is, to, um, is to surrender to the failure, you know, keep coming back and surrendering to the failure. It humbles you. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps the the humbling process of it is, is where the real work happens, not in having an incredibly um, you know, powerful, concentrated mind. 
And what happens through practice, I think, either it happens suddenly or it happens gradually. But you you keep on failing, just like the second ancestor. You, you keep failing to find the thing that you were looking for until you realise that there's nothing to seek outside of the moment. And so another way of putting it is that um, when we're caught up in success, whether it's spiritual success or secular success in some kind of way, it's going to, it's going to make us special in some way. Um, and the delusion is it's going to be everlasting in some kind of way. Um, but it doesn't happen. So in the secular world, we hear that saying, um, nothing succeeds like success. But in the Dharma world, nothing fails like success. Mm -hmm. Nothing succeeds like failure in the Dharma <laughs> world. <coughs> so that's the nature of the practice. A wise person is a fool who persists in their folly. We're all fools. Wisdom is often defined as some um, having foresight and uh, making the right decisions and so on. And that in some ways is an application of wisdom because I think that wisdom does in its secular sense, in its worldly sense, does come from this place where a person is more life-centered rather than self-centered. You know, they're, not, they're not seeking after their own specialness anymore. And so therefore they're, they're out of their own way and they can see more clearly to make decisions that are perhaps best for everyone. Um, that's its application. But wisdom in itself is not some special skill. It's just the absence of self, the absence of a self searching for a self, searching for something that's going to make it happy. Outside of the moment. Um, Hubert Benoit, um, uh, who was a Zen author, um, gave an interesting uh, definition of Satori. Um, he said, Satori is a letting go that endures. A letting go that endures. Um, when we get little successes in life, there can be a letting go for a little while because we've kind of achieved it and there's a resolution. But then the desire for the next one comes along and comes along. Um, but the nature of Satori, like the second ancestor Satori, realising he couldn't find his mind, is that there is a letting go of trying to find something that endures. There's no longer anything missing from the moment. Mm -hmm. In the second koan about the non-attained Buddha, the, the theme of success and failure is there too. This Buddha worked so hard, did so many sessions after so many years, in the But the teachers addressing the same issue coming back again. But he was a non-attained Buddha. 
he was a Buddha searching for Buddhahood. All practice comes back to um, just looking into this moment as it is and seeing this moment as it is in all of its transience. Um, that's where we find a kind of um, a deeper fulfillment in life. Okay.